Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times. It's another Friday, and we're excited to be with you. One of the things that I hope uh, you're going to get out of today's program uh, is the voice uh, of a very experienced professional under many circumstances. And uh, before we jump into our guest today, Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy Friday, everybody. I uh, hope everybody's having great holidays. Um, one thing that uh, came to mind this morning, speaking with our special guest, uh, Brian Ellis, is that, uh, you know, tis the season to do a polar bear plunge. Um, so I think we'll have a little bit of fun talking back and forth about that. You know, you talk about strategies for turbulent times and how to understand the body and how it reacts to extreme temperatures. Uh, but I believe he has a polar bear punch tomorrow morning, so I'm glad that we got him before he uh, his teeth fall out from chattering so much. And uh, look forward to the show. Matthew, have you ever done a polar bear punch? Uh, many times, but it was not intentional. <laughs> uh, what what possesses work. someone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was explaining to Brian earlier. I was like, I love that stuff because. One, uh, he's going to deal with a special friend of his, and I'll let him talk about it. Um, but when you're dealing with, you know, uh, sports, when you're dealing with, you know, the community I come from with uh, special operations, special forces, you're going to be tested, and you're going to understand, you know, what the true meaning of mind over body is and how the body reacts to extreme temperatures. And the story I was telling uh, Brian about my very first uh, uh trip with Naval Special Warfare was up to Kodiak, Alaska. And we did the dry water suit, you know, dry suit appreciation test. And keep in mind, um, the water up there is about 40, and this is the ocean, is anywhere between 35 to 42 degrees on any, on any given day. And, uh, of course, we knew the temperature, you know, our, our uh, trainers knew the temperature, and we get out there in our dry suits, and you got your warmies underneath the dry suits, and say, okay, uh, you can feel the cold outside the shell, and it's starting to kind of be inside the shell, but, you, you know, it's like really, you understand the importance of understanding your, your equipment, your gear. Well, it comes to a certain time, and you wade out, and you got water up to about about belly to chest high, and then said, okay, now unzip your dry suits, and literally, and you're in the best shape of your life. I mean, it's not like you're physically, and you've been through hell already, you know, cold, wet, miserable, sandy, worst, you know, environment imaginable demand, of course, as we joke about it. But, you know, it's all of a sudden, you know, if you understand, everybody understands what the core is of the body, but when you're in that type of cold water and you're just now submerged in it, all the blood rushes to your core. So what's at the core? Some of the most uh, sensitive parts of your body and it's like everything is getting compressed in a vice. And it just feels like it's just going to get smashed or explode. And that's just the thing because all your blood is running from all your your fingers, your toes, all your external pieces. That's why we get frostbite for you that are listening, just learning. But it's true meaning of what is the core. And when you're in a, you know extreme temperature like that, that's what's going on. Well, the only thing I've done that's close to that is I do cryo, um, you know, cryotherapy. And um, you go on those those little uh, pods and your head sticks out, but they, they take you to temperatures, you know, below zero for up to three minutes at a time. And it, it's fascinating to me um, that I actually like it. <laughs> so if that's anything like a polar plunge, maybe I would like it. I don't know. <laughs> you'll you'll oh, love man. it. It'll feel like a warm, sunny day in Florida to you, then. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the other thing I really uh, enjoy are those cold water plunges. So I don't know. You know, as long as my core is in and my feet and my hands are out, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. But here we go. Let's jump into not cold water here, but Brian Ellis, who is uh, 
a, a dear colleague of ours, and I'm very, very honored to have him on the show. Brian Ellis is a retired police lieutenant with over 25 years of experience. He's an author, an instructor, and a crisis management professional. Throughout his police career, Brian has served in numerous tactical incidents and high-stakes missions with several accommodations for meritorious service. Brian has led numerous specialty teams, and during his time as the SWAT commander and specialty team leader, he developed a strong understanding of the dynamics that make people and missions thrive. On retiring from the police force, Brian's passion for empowering others led him to pursue his work at the National Command and Staff College, one of our sponsors, an international think tank. And with colleagues, he launched Magnus Works, another one of our sponsors, which is an education and data analytics platform dedicated to peak performance and well-being. Brian is a speaker, a coach, and a trainer for government and private organizations. He's dedicated to promoting leadership, high-performing teams, and providing others with actionable information for personal preparedness and resilience. His work has been featured in various media outlets, including numerous articles, book chapters, and podcasts. And we are so happy to have you with us today. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, humbled to be here. Matt, you want to kick us off? Yeah, Brian, if you just... um... I know quite a bit about you, but if, if you want to share a little bit more than what Kat did about, you know, what you what your highlights of your career were, and, uh, you know, we'll talk more about what you're um, getting into now, but um, just kind of give the audience about, like, how did you get into um, what, you're, what you, you know, decide to have a career in with law enforcement, and then we'll get a little bit, we'll kind of start peeling back the onion on your experiences there. Yeah, well, thanks, Matt. Um you know, uh, you know, I think my story is pretty typical of maybe a lot of uh, people that get into this profession. And it's, you know, I, I wasn't really on the track. I wasn't one of these guys that always wanted to be a cop. Um, I just kind of fell into it a, a little bit. I wanted to be, originally I wanted to be a chiropractor, but uh, if you ask my wife, she would say that I dodged a bullet because I would have been a cabana boy with an underused uh, degree because turns out the only thing that I can really crack really well is an egg. So I think I'll stick to breakfast as opposed to backs. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, I, you know, as you go through life, you know, you have a lot of different shepherds knowingly and unknowingly. And I, you know, I had a particular person uh, in, early on in my life, who uh, introduced me to public safety work, and I went on a ride along with him, and yeah, I kind of, I was like, oh, you know, I uh, I could see myself doing this. You know, it's honorable work. You get to work outdoors. Uh, you get to take charge of adverse situations, and oh, and then there's those banker's hours, right? Um, uh, you can get weekends off and holidays. Uh just joking, but, uh, you know, it just, the, the work and how it changed and the pace and everything else, just, just, it, it was kind of really easy to make that transition to go, well, you know what, I think I'm, I think this is what I want to pursue. So, I mean, that's kind of how I fell into public safety. And then, um, you know, I, I think my natural instinct to just being, I was a Y kid, you know, probably drove a lot of adults crazy uh, at, at an early age. But, you know, throughout my police career, I, I realized that, you know, curiosity may have killed the cat, but it takes a lot of bad guys to jail. And, um, you know, just kind of had that, you know, brought that curiosity to the table that just led to a, a lot of unique situations, stories, uh, uh, different units and, and, and kind of, you know, was, uh, was my career. It also leads to, to things like, you know, you end up getting involved in a lot of stuff that critical events and, and, and whatnot because of the fact that, you know, that curiosity just kind of really starts driving you to go and something's just not right here and what's this and 
boom, next thing you know, you're you're down that that rabbit hole of uh, chasing bad guys or or uh, you know setting up perimeters and and all that stuff. So Brian, um, you shared a, a, an amazing quote with me a little bit earlier. Um, you mind sharing that with the audience and just kind of talking about like. Okay, you see the fear in the cage, right? And you, or you fear to enter the cage of um, a certain cage. How do you overcome that fear? And how did you just come into the the uh, career that you uh, you know you grew the love and you spent uh, such an amazing time with? That's a great question, uh, Matt. And uh, I, we were talking about. So I'm I'm going to do this polar plunge tomorrow with a friend of mine who. Um, he's an ex NFL athlete and, uh, you know, a super, super nice, humble guy. But what, what you, what you start to realize about professional athletes and, and, and just anybody that takes fitness seriously is, you know, kind of their indomitable mindset that, that, you know, some of these stressors or things that a lot of people worry about, they're able to kind of put to the sidelines and just deal with what they wanted, they want to do. And, um, so, you know, yesterday we're at the gym and he says, Hey, let's, you know, after a workout, let's just go jump in the pool. Now we live here in Georgia and I don't know the current temperatures in the thirties in the morning. Um, so I know that pool is not heated, so it's going to be quite uh, frosty when we get in and, and it's just no big deal to him. And it, 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 it made me realize that, you know, it's it's no wonder that we can watch these guys on Sundays in Green Bay and Chicago and short sleeve shirts go out and get the game done because their 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 mind is somewhere else. It's not on that cold. And while I'm sitting at home watching on TV with a whoopee, um, you know, they're 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 just in a, they're just in a different space. And so, uh, you know, I was telling you that that, uh, you know, it's funny because I think athletes and, and uh, military members and uh, police officers, th- there's a lot of similarities when you start to think about uh, this whole concept of fear. And, and so I, there's a quote, I, I love the quote, it's the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And you know, so often in our lives, we can find ourselves in a moment of fear, and it might be a situation where there's actual physical fear, or it could just be fear uh, that's just uh, your own grown fear and your reluctancy to launch uh, maybe a business or, uh, or write your first article or, or go do something that, you know, you're passionate about, you know, this, this fear is holding you back. So I think Type A personalities and 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 people kind of really with that indomitable mindset understand that, yeah. I mean, fear is just a natural part of life. But those who want to take charge and get things done, they they realize that hey, that that fear is almost kind of a beacon to go, what's over here, and you know, do I need to explore this a little bit more? And then once you break past that, um, there's an amazing world on the other side. I love that. I, I can see why, Matt, you were moved uh, by, by those words. I was just on a call uh, with a longtime coach uh, and a friend of mine, uh, Bill Lombardo, who is a, um, a very well-known coach in the insurance industry. And he was uh, telling me about a, a colleague of ours who's a professional neuroscientist by the name of Rudy Tanzi, who's a well-known researcher in the area of neuroscience, and he actually works with the Patriots. And as we're talking about how people train uh, for these mental mindsets, Matt, you opened up with the story, uh, and Brian, you were just sharing, you know, aspects of your own. I'm, I'm curious how we can take these concepts and challenge ourselves, because we know that our bodies give us messages. The messages they give us are 
what creates the feeling that can create the emotion that then results in the response we know as fear. When, in fact, it could be a way for us to reinvent the feeling of fear and use it, as you like to say, Matthew, as excitement or incentive, but unless we know what's going to happen to us on the other side of that excitement or incentive, it's very hard for us to push through. So do you do these polar plunges in training for this thing? Or like, you know, Matthew was talking about being, you know, in a pool where you get in there and get used to the temperature before you unzip your wetsuit. How do you guys do this? Well, I think um, to answer one of your questions, it, it goes back to like, there's another quote that I absolutely love from Seneca, and it's, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. And and I think that, you know, the polar plunge isn't really training for anything. It's just really kind of getting past these mental barriers of, of, of fear and 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 these opportunities for us to go, hey, we can do this. And... And you're going to feel great afterwards. I mean, there's there's the endorphins your body's going to release after that. It's going to be amazing. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back to more feelings of being amazing with our guest, former Lieutenant Brian Ellis, who is now a life coach and one of my colleagues at the National Command and Staff College and MagnusWorks.com. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes, to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times with Cat and I. Today we have our special guest, um, retired Lieutenant Brian Ellis with the, it was the Sacramento, right, Brian? Yes, sir. Okay. I figured out West. Um, and we we're uh, just having a great conversation about how do you overcome fear? How do you, what are some principles or stuff that we've learned as, as he's getting ready to do a polar plunge tomorrow? We're kind of adding that to it. 
But some of the great quotes that he lives by, some of that I've learned by, and also what Kat has shared with, with us as well. You know, one of my favorite quotes from FDR, uh, one of our ex-presidents, is that the courage, the courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more than important than fear. And that resonates with me because a lot of people ask, like, hey, Matt, how have you gotten through everything that you've done? How, why did you do everything that you've done? Instead of just saying, for God and country, you know, as I've gotten older and started to peel back the onions, onion of the brain, the, reason, uh, the reasoning, the decision-making, what was my drive? That's what, we're, that's what we're discussing right now. And, you know, we'll get into a little bit more detail on some of the stuff that Brian's um, had challenges, been met with challenges like the rest of us that are unique to him. And uh, we're just kicking it off with, uh, how, like, what is that courage? You know, how, how do you, you know, get thrust into something like that? And I'll start it off with, I believe it's just the individual. You know, they're, they're sensing some kind of excitement versus fear. Um, they might be elevating their mindset. That's like they want to get smarter about the human physiology behind being able to succumb to such a miserable environment, you know, being cold, you know, cold to the cores. Um, you know, what, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Brian? I think it's a great question, uh, Matt. And I, and, and I go back to, you know, it, when you – when you listen to uh, people from the military or or you know police when they're when they're involved in a critical incident, you know you always hear this. Yeah, I kind of relied on my training, and really it, it comes down to reps. And I and I just feel that you know if you're a, if you, you play basketball, it's the amount of free throws that you've taken that make you a great free throw shooter, and it's the intention that you bring to that. Uh, you know, to that process and, and, and looking at your mechanics and really dialing in everything in your breath work and everything else. And so uh, we, as people, we have to start, we have to start asking ourselves, where do we want our intention to be? And what are we going to, what do we want to do? If you want to be on the sidelines and dream all day, then, you know, it's just not, it's just not going to happen for you. And so you just have to start taking those reps and those reps, can start off super small and they just, they can snowball and build into something bigger and better over time. And so, you know, I, I, uh, one of my mentors, you know, uh, taught me that by the time we're 18 years old, we've heard the word no 150,000 times at the very minimum, assuming you've grown up in a kind of a normal household. And, and so we put a lot of limitations on ourselves just because of the rep- repetitive nature, this negative, whether it's negative self-talk or just, you know, the, just not really good words that are, that are supporting us in, in reducing and overcoming that fear and building imagination. And, and so my, my first thought on that subject is, hey, you want to get good at anything, um, and fear standing in your way, realize that your reps matter. And so as small as they are, just rep it out and you're going to get good at whatever it is that you want to be good at. So, you know, transitioning here into our favorite subject, which is not only surviving, but thriving past a turbulent time. Can you tell us a story about when, you planned every detail for an important, even a you know, possibly life-threatening situation or mission that you faced, only to find in the end that you had not planned for the unexpected. That's a great question. And, um, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd want to pivot a little bit more of a philosophical as opposed to a very specific incident, because I think that there's a lot more to be learned from it. And that's just, you know, in police work, um, I had not planned for cumulative trauma. And, and there's a lot of cumulative trauma in, in police work. And there's the, there's the side that, that is, uh, you know, when I, when I talk about CT there, um, I'm, you know, there's, there's two 
sides of that spectrum. There's the incidents that you're going to be subjected to dealing with people at their maddest, saddest, and baddest. You know, that stuff leads to scars, too. But but what I was never prepared for um, in in my career was kind of a level of callousness that, you know, people can have within an organization with each other. And, you know, and I was always raised, um, you know, to treat people with dignity and respect. And, and you know... I, I always it never set well with me when people are awful to others when when there's errors that that happen you know that those errors end up having to stick to somebody and then there's this elephant memory that kind of just erodes the walls of an organization um, and it's not it, you know these these vantage points is you know I saw too much of it and it you know it came from a notion that we should always look out for each other and I'm not talking a code of silence uh, type thing. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking more, more, more biblical than that. It's, it's come from a place that, that leads the way that, that has that, that be no do attitude um, that doesn't blame or punish people. Um, because at times I saw in my, in, in, in my experience, we had way more people in the penalty box than we did on the ice. If you're a hockey guy, I'm really not a hockey guy, but the analogy seems right. And so I always look in, in the words of uh, 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 an old friend of mine, rest in peace, uh, Sid Heal, a perfect plan is like a unicorn. You know, everybody knows what they look like, although they've never seen one. And so I've always loved Sid's remark on that. And then you couple that with like somebody like Eleanor Roosevelt, who said that, uh, you know, oh man, I, I might butcher this quote, but it goes something like great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people. You know, to me, I, I always, I like to bundle those two and go, you know, Look, we need to spend, if, if we're truly trying to lead people and organizations, we need to really be discussing ideas that help everybody grow, not throw darts at people for errors and mistakes they make. We need to give them a lot more repetitions. This goes to the point that you and I have talked about in the past about accountability. Um, you know, that account and the ability to account means that the person has to stay in the system long enough to be able to tell the story so that others can learn from it and so that we grow from the errors as opposed to punish and assign blame from them. Absolutely. I mean, I always thought that, you know, uh, if, if, if from, from a, uh, you know, maybe not in police work so much or, uh, yeah, but, you know, failure is the condiment that gives success flavor. Um, and so there's a place for failure. I mean, hopefully you're doing it in training and, you know, our energies always need to be put in the right places to minimize failure, not to demonize it. And then, and then it just, I understand that we're emotional creatures. You know, you go back to like the Dale Carnegie's that say that, you know, everybody thinks that we're creatures of logic, but we're really creatures of emotion. But, you know, we shouldn't be mean to each other in an organization. We should try to figure out how to grow people. And, you know, I don't really care how much you know or, or, or even if you're the boss until I really know how much you care. And when, and when, you, when I can see how much you care as, as a boss, you know, I'm going to give you my all. And I'm, and, and so, so for, for me, I was never prepared for, um, callousness. I didn't like it as a street cop. I never wanted to give people callous treatment. That was never, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I was always, uh, very much more into the Andy Griffith style of, of, of policing as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a confession out of you by browbeating you. Um, but I didn't like it as a leader as well. Um, 
you know, if you're talking disparagingly uh, behind somebody's back, you're, I don't think you're a good leader. And, you know, you should be advancing that subordinate as much as you possibly can. Now, there's some people that can never be what you want them to be. And, and I mean, that's just kind of life. But if you're not willing to give somebody um, your all and helping them develop, and if you're not willing to give somebody a medal at the same time you're walking them out the door, I think you're missing a lot of untapped potential in your organization. Um, and that's just kind of my thoughts on that. On, on that. Uh, I, I love Brian. And, you know, some of my thoughts... You know, growing up in a, in a community where mentorship, especially being at war for over two decades, you know, leaders are constantly were constantly thrust into leadership positions. And I'll throw my my hat in the pile of that. Was I ready? Yes, my senior leader said yes, you're ready. However, the mentorship was not there. Really, it's just about experience. But with that being said, you know, to go in there and crush it and to look at um, you know, you, your best interest is for your your people, and you're surrounded by this negativity. Of if somebody does mess up, even though in, as a senior leader, I learned this in a really odd way because I grew up in a community that if anybody messed up, you know, cut their hands. Um, you know, went left instead of right. I mean, that's why you train, right? Um, it's uh. It's, it's kind of held over their head. And like you're saying, I've seen all too many guys, young to old, you know, they, they leave, um, you know, their time with the organization. And it's like, what are we doing to our people? You know, they've invested so much of themselves. We've selected them. We've brought them in. And just because they, you know, go out and do something silly, which we all do, we're all human sometimes, we do something um, that's not really totally ethical, more you know, moral, or um, along our standards. It's for us to bring them in and say, "Dude, don't worry about it. All right, just learn from it. You know, don't have, don't let it happen again." But what I've felt over my career is that when you have an organization that does that, what does that breed? It breeds incompetency with the people doing the work inside the organization. Because if they feel like there's a thumb down on them, they're going to be scared to make decisions. They're going to be, you know, hey, I want to be successful at my career, but I've seen that somebody else did something, you know, that was not okay. Not egregious, but this was not looked at okay, and now their career is on the back burner for like, you know, a couple of years, sometimes four years, because they drop in the rankings, right? They drop in the, um, you know, the how we look at and how we bring people up to be, you know, the high standards. And so that, that breeding of incompetency, I think there's something to be said about just having more trust, but also giving more mentorship and being a better leader to bring them in saying, Hey, dude, I don't care about what you did. I know that you got slammed, but let's change. Let's, let's do something different here. Don't let it hang over your head. And then you look at your other peers around you and you're like, dude, just leave it alone, man. Let's let's move forward. Let's stop talking about that person, like you said. And by the way, you were totally on point with that uh, Roosevelt quote. I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Matt, you're spot on because I mean, one of the greatest lessons that I learned when I was our SWAT commander uh, for our agency is, uh, you know, our debrief our debriefs of of missions. Um. You know, the old school way was guys pointing the finger. Ah, you, you, you hooked uh, when or too early, or you know, they just they nitpicked at each other. And then, and it wasn't my doing. Um, it was prior to me being the squat commander. The team realized, uh, you know, it, within their their own development that hey, we are not we are not growing as 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 a team, and they they started to fix their own culture. And it was amazing to sit back and watch um, the, the level of uh, vulnerability um, that led to an incredible amount of learning. And, and, what, and then that, that learning 
builds trust. And then you have that vicarious learning because now I'm, I'm learning through somebody else's eyes, even though I was on the same mission, you know, it's a, a you know, different stimulus and different, different things that I get to pull into my own tool kit for that next mission and learning just extremely accelerates. And, and so, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, I think at the end of the day, people in, in organizations, they, people just want to be treated fair and know that the people leading them aren't morally flexible. And the way that I always looked at it is I, I, I can't ever respond. You know, I, I look at uh, Lao Tzu's uh, quote. I, I know I'm probably uh, boring you with a bunch of quotes, but, uh, you know, respond intelligently even to unintelligent treatment. And, you know, and that's kind of the way that I've always tried to uh, pursue, uh, at least as I've gotten older. Maybe the younger version of Brian probably wouldn't have been that way, but uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Well, we're going to go to a quick break on that note, Brian. And when we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation here uh, about uh, maybe the fact that there is no perfect plan uh, that cumulative trauma is not something we can plan for, but certainly something we can uh, start to, I want to say, avoid by wellness and talk a little bit about what you're up to now. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Um, with the three of us, you got, uh, you know, my my co-partner here, uh, co-host, uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and our special guest, uh, Brian Ellis, who's got such an, an amazing uh, time with law enforcement, a career in law enforcement, and now he's doing a lot of coaching um, with organizations, teams, uh, but he's also bringing a different perspective of what he's learned uh, individually, and then he's actually taking it to a higher level, which is a great conversation just to think about, you know, 
holistically as an organization, you know, holistically as a leader, how do you look at what's going on inside your organization and how can you change it? Uh, so, Brian, I'm just going to go ahead back over to you on, you know, um, talking about when you are confronted as a person inside inside of an organization, you know, what are some tidbits um, that we can share with the audience as far as, like, tips, tricks, techniques to actually better the organization? When you see it's an organization that's just, uh, whether it's negative, um, I hate to use just that overall arching term, you know, breeding incompetency because of their, you know, they got the thumb, the leadership has a thumb on everybody just to make sure that they don't make a mistake. Um, you know, what are some things that you can share with the audience that you've learned philosophically, but also, like I said, with CTPs? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, I think first it starts with, I don't I don't care how bad the um, organization might be that you, that you work into. I mean, you, you got to you know, always have to have hope, right? And there's always islands of excellence within even the most uh, challenged organizations. So, you know, just start thinking about the things that you can do. Again, those reps matter. So, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. Start building up your positivity reps. And especially in police work, you're going to deal with people at their maddest, saddest, and baddest. Nobody's inviting you to a birthday party um, or, uh, you know, or a, uh, a gender reveal uh, party uh, that they're having at their house. They're they're asking to come deal with chaos. And so you can really hardwire yourself to be cynical and uh, kind of obtuse in your personal and professional life. And don't let that happen to you. Um, from a leadership perspective, um, you know, I've had a couple of uh, I had a one message that was delivered to me uh, in three different ways and until I finally went, you know, I get it. This, I, I, I totally understand this. And as a, as a new supervisor, I had a lieutenant pull me aside who, had, who is one of close mentors of mine. And so there's three types of people in an organization. There's people that kind of watch things happen, make things happen, and wonder what just happened. And those make things happen people, he, he called rock turners. And he said, rock turners don't need you to tell them what to do. And they don't need work from you because they're going to go out every day and turn over every rock and find things to do. And his advice to me was leave those people alone. Leave them alone, meaning that I'm going to accumulate a number of honeydews for my chain of command, and I don't need to give it to those. Those people are going to fill my daily full of good stuff happening each and every day. I need to mentor them and guide them and supervise them, but I don't need to give them things to do. I need to develop those people that are, you know, watching things happen, you know, you know getting them into that swim lane of, of, of being of being good people. And that same bit of advice came to me from a city manager, a friend of mine who was our city manager and then went to uh, an, another a city uh, prior to retiring. But his, his thought was, you know, he always liked to be involved and, um, and, and, the, and the reality of it is, is if you give a great idea to a mediocre team, they're going to screw it up. But if you give a mediocre idea to a great team, they're going to make it better. And so sometimes as leaders, we have to learn how to kind of step back a little bit and let people grow. And, and, and you know, be a guardrails for them, uh, for sure, so they don't, they don't fall off the cliff. But... You know, we'll we'll never grow. We will never see the diversity of thought that we have uh, around us, and 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 we will start typecasting people and being, again, being callous because we just see people for how they're not living up to our expectations. So, um, and then the third time I really that it, what really drove that idea home was I was reading the book Blank uh, by Malcolm Gladwell and. Um, and he talks about uh, in, in that in that book. There's a story of Paul um, Paul Van Riper, um, better known as Rip. He was a uh, a Marine commander in Vietnam. I think he was the Mike Company. Uh, 
who who is really described as a very strict but fair leader, uh, kind of a gunslinger, and he didn't lead from behind a desk, but but from out front. And so uh, he was ultimately used in this Pentagon uh, war game uh, called the Millennium Challenge, where they were kind of using him to kind of understand some, uh, you know, next generation military tactics and what they what they understood uh, the next generation of military preparedness was uh, how you take apart uh, an adversary system. And so that, you know, to me, that, that just really had, I really, it really resonated to me of, you know, um, you know, where Rip didn't believe that you could lift the fog of war, you know, war is inherently unpredictable and messy and nonlinear. And, and that's, that's police work. So as much as we want to have general orders and, and, uh, shoulds and, and, and should nots and, and everything else, I mean, we, we have to understand that there, that it's messy and it's, and it's nonlinear. And if we want the best out of our people, we have to we have to understand that spontaneity, um, and and maybe it's more of a the power of like uh, uh, improv, um, where we're kind of dealing with things uh, not not uh, not that it's random or chaotic, but we're building highly repetitive skills in people by talking to each other back, like, like that SWAT team, those, those debriefs where we start to see everything and and the good that people have um, under these high stress incidents is about training and repetition and, and rehearsals. And, and so he has this rip had this whole thought of being in command and out of control uh, you know, meaning to tapping into the experience and judgment of everyone, making everyone a leader. And I'm not talking about being out of control. There are certain instances where a leader needs to be in control, but you do need to have the flexibility to make sure that you are not controlling every situation. Because when you do, people stop being creative and they just look to you for all the answers. And that's an exhausting place to be, especially when um, time, people, and money are the three things that, you know, police organizations uh, just never have enough of. And so you need to use those resources wisely. I, I love it. I love it, Brian. And I'm just going to be real quick because we don't have much time left, but you brought up uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And one of these, his greatest books is called The Outliers as well. And as we're talking about the importance of training and to become an actual outlier, he actually did all the research and all the data analysis, and the average is 10,000 hours, whether you're a pianist, whether you're a hockey team in Canada. He did all the hours of training, uh, whether you're a dancer, whatever your expertise is that you are considering the outlier in, the average number of hours is 10,000 hours, and it's called The Outliers, the book by the same gentleman that you uh, just talked about. So, Amazing. What do you got, Chat? Well, I'm thinking about Barney Fife, Opie, and Andy Griffith here, so. <laughs> 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 um, you know, it's been a very compelling conversation today, and I just want to uh, put a plug in here for the Magnus Works uh, platform that we have been contributing to, Brian, uh, and that you have been one of the leaders of for our um our audience, you know, when we talk about well-being and we talk about planning for allowing people to be creative, our creativity uh, is totally taken away from us when our ability to, I want to say, think from a place of safety, uh, a place of uh, of resilience uh, is stunted. And I think what the MagnusWorks.com platform is doing for people, uh, certainly what you and I would like to see 
uh, people using it for, as well as Matthew and all those who are contributing, because we have experts from all over the nation uh, contributing to this uh, platform, is to grow better people who become better team members, who become better leaders. And it's all from, uh, you know, our, uh, our place of wanting for everyone to feel that they can find something in this platform that will make them a better version of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. Um, uh, but what I, what I do know is where I want to put my intention is helping people be the best version of themselves. And again, um, in, in our Magnus works app or, you know, follow me on LinkedIn, uh, uh, you know, reach out and, uh, it's easy to get a hold of me. Um, you know, again, these repetitions matter and having the awareness and, and, and understanding that sometimes, you know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and life is going to hit us at times. And it's just a, a matter of having enough resources available to not get hijacked in the moment when, when life throws us a matzo ball that we, uh, that we were not ready for and ha- having a good toolkit to dealing with it. And that's what we're trying to do with the Magnus works platform. And then looking at legitimate stressors of an organization, um, you know, and, and we have the data to, to, to show law enforcement leaders, uh, uh, you know, realistically how they can make significant change in their organizations, leading to more productivity and, and a stronger community. Well, we, we were delighted to, uh, to spend this time with you, and um, I cannot wait to see the new evolution of the MagnusWorks.com app, and I look forward to continuing to serve at the National Command and Staff College with you in the new year. Matthew, any last words from you? No, I just just another what a what a great podcast on how to elevate your mindset and see it, you know, from a from a higher elevation than what everybody's going through each and every day from what uh, life is throwing at you. So, uh, God bless, um, happy New Year, and let's let's go in two thousand twenty four. Yeah, be well, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah, we love y'all for for being with us, uh, audience, and we look forward to. More time with you in the new year, and wish you all a joyous and peaceful year uh, in, in your roles, making all of us safe and feeling protected. So take good care. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.